writers, agents, and publishers, for the first time since the Gutenberg Press, find themselves lost in a maze of mystery as technology alters the shape of the publishing industry. Searching for Answers is a group of writers throwing pop culture, writing, and publishing into a crucible of clarity, passion, and humor. This group is the Right Pack. In this episode of Right Pack Radio, we are going to discuss getting ready for NaNoWriMo, as well as other projects like it. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Right Pack Radio. This is your host, producer, David Allen Lucas, president of St. Louis Writers Guild, and crazy man right now with martial arts and everything else. Um, I will have notified my um, a couple of other people who have given me some projects to work on. I am hanging up my voiceover and voice acting for a while because I've gotten pulled into other directions. I had to drop something. So, with me today is my lovely co-host. Hello, my name is Kathleen Kayembe. I write speculative fiction. Um, you can find my work in the Best Science Fiction and Fantasy of the Year, Volume 12, and in the Best American Science Fiction and Fantasy 2018. I also write romance, queer romance, as Kaseka and Vita. Excellent. And also with me today is my lovely wife. I'm Melanie Lucas. Um, I... That, I made this announcement earlier, but it didn't get recorded properly, that I will, uh, I'm going to try and uh, make a, well, I'm making a commitment, I'll try and get the first draft of my novel done by the end of November. Now, I'm not starting on it, it is two-thirds done already, so maybe I'll be able to achieve it. And it's the, it's the word goal, it's not the beginning, anyway. Right, and we'll talk also, about that. Watch your committed language. You're committing to it. It's not you will try. Do oh, or do not. Remember Yoda. There is no try. More on this coming soon with this conversation. You, you say that you will get it done. And also with us today, who's now, right now, jumping all over the on this. I'm just trying to encourage my fellow writers. Yes, my you name are. is Jennifer Solzer. I'm a children's book author and illustrator. My fantasy novel, Threadcaster, is available on Amazon currently. And I'm pleased to say that I, my companion novel to Threadcaster is also available. It's called The Curses, short stories from the world of Threadcaster. It has all my short stories in one cover, in addition to a brand new novella and a never-before-seen type of curse. So if you're up to date on Threadcaster, there's more to learn. It's exciting. Uh, it's also got maps and bios and behind-the-scenes and deleted scenes and all sorts of cool stuff. So check it out. Ten bucks on Amazon. Excellent. And also with us today is the mistress of murder and mayhem herself. Fedora Amos. I write Victorian whodunits like Jack the Ripper in St. Louis and Mayhem, Buffalo Bill's Wild West. And coming soon in 2019 from Five Stars Engage is Have Your Ticket Punched by Frank James. I want to tell everybody that I just got back from Magna Cum Murder in Indianapolis where I was on two panels. It was great fun. One was called The Mist of Time, which was, of course, about historical mysteries, which I love, and the other, Women in a Man's World, which talks about my character right down to the ground. <laughs> I'm also president of Greater St. Louis Sisters in Crime. And also with us, coming remotely, because he is probably leading a fleet of airships to raid the Ottoman Empire, is a... Spot is the Admiral Sky Pirate himself of Steampunk. 
Yes, I'll take it. I'm Brad R. Cook. I am the author of many a steampunky type thing, uh, as well as a few other things, and there's uh, a couple of things coming down the pipe. To learn all about these things, head on over to www.bradrcook.com. Excellent. So this is airing on Halloween weekend originally, but Halloween is not the most scary thing to an author. <laughs> Those who participate... Fear NaNoWriMo more. <laughs> okay, enough of that. <laughs> and we have the cat. And we scared the cat there. Pumpkin, the plot cat, who's has taken off. Okay, so it just shows how effective that your your voices are. He didn't know, know who you were anymore. Anyway, um. Writing a novel, I've talked about in the past with Ben, quoting Ben Bova, that it can feel like you're laying siege to a town. Um, he likes to equate it that way. So, I want to talk about, with this episode, of course we're going to cover what is NaNoWriMo, how to sign up for it, what do you need to have ready for that. But NaNoWriMo itself is not enough. Let's talk about producing a novel in a month, or a little over a month, when you're trying to marathon write. Even when you have a full-time job outside of that. That's a, that's a huge thing to do. So first off, what is NaNoWriMo? Does anybody just do this quick cabbage head section? I think Kathleen should do this. Go for it, Kathleen. All right. NaNoWriMo is uh, short for National Novel Writing Month. And I believe it's NaNoWriMo.org. The website, I believe you're right. That you can go and sign up and learn more about it. The, uh, it's basically a writing challenge wherein writers all over the world decide to write 50,000 words, a 50,000 word novel, during the month of November. So you've got 50,000 words and 30 days to write them in. And uh, that breaks down to roughly 1,667 words per day, every day, from November 1st to November 30th. And uh, about five days before November 30th, I believe is when uh, winning becomes a thing that you can actually say that you've done. Um, you're able to uh, put your novel in some sort of text box that they have, and they'll count your words, and if you've got more than 50,000, you're a winner, and you get badge. And uh, they're, because it's big enough now, there are all sorts of different writing-related sponsors now that will give you free stuff or discounted stuff if you're a winner or if you participate. Just real quick, because... I jokingly said NaNoWriMo can be very scary to authors. And some of you are probably sitting there going, Oh my God! Six, 1,600 plus words a day! Guys, that is roughly... Okay, 250 to 300 words per page is what I'm using as a normal count. You're looking at five to six pages a day. Yeah. So... For some of us, that's, that's still pretty scary. That's still pretty scary. I understand that. But I just kind of want to put that in a physical form. For you. Um, what do you need to have before you start NaNoWriMo? Depends on who you are. Exactly. There are pantsers, there are plotters, and there are hybrids in between. So, you need to have your plot or your characters. Basically, everything you need to start to write a story for what you're going to do. That's the short version. But, there's more to it than just that. I mean, what else do you need? Chamomile tea. Time. Tea. Time. <laughs> Caffeine. Caffeine. Yes, thank you. Yes, please bring over a couple of IVs, interchanging of coffee constantly into my arm. We, we condone everything but, like, mess. <laughs> yes. Uh, you will 
you'll be greatly helped if you have writing trenches buddies, people who are also participating in NaNoWriMo that you can go to write-ins with or just be like on the computer texting back and forth every so often like, okay, I just did this much. I am dying here. And they will prop you up and you will prop them up and you will get through it together. Yes. And the website has forums for that. And I am so glad you said that because... Ultimately, that's really the important thing is you need to be able to support each other. It's a long marathon to write a novel. If you've never done it before, if you're trying to do it your first time, it's a huge, long marathon. If you've done it before, you know what it's like. Um, coming over to you, Jen, just briefly. Um, not just briefly, briefly after I'm done here. Um, I just lost my place. Write-ins. Um, the various, depending on where you live, various libraries might have write-ins. There might be other locations and writing groups that have write-ins. I saw in crime is having one on one go. day. There you go. And I saw one that was funny that uh, somebody invited me to, which was sit down, sit down, shut up, and write. Huh. A perfect line. Over to you, Jen. Oh, I just wanted to point out the irony of the fact that uh, writers are very solitary creatures. But sometimes it is actually very helpful to be solitary in a group. Mm-hmm. Very much so. So everyone listening who's like, oh, well, but I don't want other people to read my work till it's done. Or I don't want to have to talk to people. It's like, that's not the point of the write-in. The point is that everyone is there sharing the same muse energy. That that productivity vibe is, is moving through everyone because you're all there together with a unified purpose. It's not a... There is social, you know, make friends, please make friends with each other, but the whole point of a nano write-in is to work. So exactly. I encourage people going to find those kind of groups. And I don't know if, if you're if you're a long time if you're a long time fan of, of Right Back Radio, you will probably know our history. But if you're not, let me share it a little bit. We st- we still are, but this started as a write-in group. Uh-huh. Um, we would meet once a week. We still do. I'm just not sharing location. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you we can meet. share it. They wouldn't know where it was outside of St. Louis. Right. But we meet. And what? And actually what's funny is the person who doesn't show up to them anymore, I'm throwing her under the bus, is the one who got us all started on it. Hi, Kathleen. Hey, guys. How's uh, it going? But we start off. And one of the fun things is when you do get stuck, is being able to throw out questions to everybody. Um, I can't think of how many times we've had very interesting conversations evolve out of that question. And, of course, that's what eventually led to Right Back Radio itself. Uh-huh. I also want to talk about the time in which we were in a coffee house and I'm plotting out a murder for a story I was working on and had turned a chalkboard that they had into... Um, if you're familiar with murder mysteries, into a murder board, and the wait, the poor barista walking in to deliver my coffee stepped into the room and just stopped, slack jawed <laughs> at the board. I still have pictures of that, by the way, somewhere <laughs> of the board, not of her. Anyway, so back to Nano Rimal. So we kind of jokingly said, Do you need caffeine, chamomile tea? Definitely need friends to help connect with, be it online or be it physically there. What else? Basically, um, you've probably been writing long enough at this point that you know some of the things that help you get into a writing mood and maintain a writing mood and, like, just write better, write more, write faster. 
So for nano, you're going to want to employ all of those techniques you have learned about yourself and how you work best so that you will write more and write better and write faster for 30 days. Uh, can those here in the group share some examples of what helped us so that it will help other people brainstorm? I'm going to turn over, I'm going to take it real fast because mine is very short. <laughs> get the hell out of the house yeah, and write somewhere else. That is me. I, I can't get write it Get away from all those things that nag your attention. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put three cats. Go ahead. Um, so Chanel is not here to lament, which is probably for, you know, which is probably better for her anyway. But I will put on a song or in one case, an entire album on repeat. And... Oh my goodness. So, and I will use that as like my background white noise for hours and hours and hours of writing. You were tweeting about that not long ago. How many hours did you listen to the same song over and over again? So, so, okay. So when I did this last week, I used the newest Panic at the Disco album. It was the first time I've done an album on loop instead of just a song. It was a uh, Pray for the Wicked on repeat for nine hours. Nine hours. It was a good writing day, <laughs> but also I didn't get much sleep that night. <laughs> I mean morning, because that's when I stopped. Um, talking about that, if I find a song, if I find the perfect theme music for a scene I'm writing, I put that on loop and keep it on loop. I don't care if it's only a three-minute piece of music over and over and over until that darn scene is done. Um, I have to either blame Kathleen or blame Jen. I'm really going to blame Jen because she hooks me more on music than Kathleen has, but I'm not sure which of these two really is the guilty party. But thank you for introducing me to Two Steps from Hell. That was me. That was you. Okay, so (laughs) Kathleen Panther. Immediate music. Back in the day. Yeah, immediate music, Radiohead, etc. I write to see, I write when I write to theatrical music. Oh, can we plug Two Steps from Hell? What are they exactly? Well, actually, all of them. Some of you might go, who are these people? I've never heard their music. And I will, you're lying. You just don't know it. <laughs> um, they do movie trailer music. And so do the other groups I mentioned. Audio Machine as well. You will hear their music in video games. You will hear their music in movie trailers. I can guarantee, uh, well, I'm not a fan of the movie itself, but Batman versus Superman, I believe, had in the trailers that came out music from Two Steps from Hell. I will ever so often hear various movie, watch movie trailers and catch the music. Of, I know what album that's from. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so over to you, Melanie. Yeah, I was just thinking, Nano Rhino is kind of the opposite of the way Fedora writes. <laughs> this You're is right. true. Fedora, yeah. Fedora yeah. does write completely differently. So the, the kind of the point of Nano Rhino is to write something down and keep going. Kind of the goal is to turn off your internal editor, write something, keep writing. If you get stuck, just keep writing. And don't erase anything, just keep going. If you don't think of anything to write, just write nonsense words until it starts coming again. Just keep pushing through. Okay, go ahead. I'm I'm, going to go after you then. Also, if you don't want to write a scene, but you know what happens there, just do brackets, put what happens in the scene, and continue with the next one that you're excited to write about. Yeah. There you go. That's how you make your number counts per day. You just don't erase anything. You (laughs) keep going. You do not edit. You don't erase anything. You just keep going. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. No, no. That's just it. You do pass go. You do collect $200. You keep going. Do not go to jail. Do not stop for community service. Yeah. Keep going. 
Well, Go ahead, Fedora. I want to reassure all the people out there that this is not the only way you can do it. It is far from what I do, and I think I would probably quit writing before I would even try such a scheme as that, because it is the opposite, I think, of being thorough and detailed, which is something that I want to do, that I prize, that I think is all about what I write. So... I will go to NaNoWriMo night at Sisters in Crime. Will I write anything? I'll probably do some contest entries or something else. One of the things, I'm going to, Kathleen, you're going to be next. One of the things that NaNoWriMo does, that method does, is it prevents, it tries to prevent you from having doubt about what you're writing, which has been one of my big things recently. And I posted, and Jen, Jen knows, what I'm about, knows what I'm about to refer to. My last episode, I talked about my writing being crap. After that, I started rereading re a book called, um, what was it? Shoot, A Sailor and Fiddler by Herman Woke. It was about him writing his books and so forth, a hundred-year-old author. And some of the stuff he said, and I was like, yeah, okay, fine, you kicked me in the pants. He including, what I loved was part of the opening, is he's talking about how he, there was this book he didn't think he had in him to write. He didn't think he had the ability to write it. And as he is writing this current book, Sailor and, Sailor and Fiddler, he's holding that published novel in his hand. Mm -hmm. So with that, over to Kathleen. Then, to, then I believe I've got a dovetail here coming from Fedora. Then Jen. Um, so... Fedora did mention, like, you like to be thorough when you write. Um, so I just wanted to put a disclaimer out there. You can be thorough, and you can be detailed, and you can write amazing prose, but NaNo is a rough draft and not necessarily the time to worry about that. Mm -hmm. um, when, you, when you finish your NaNo novel, do not immediately send it off to anyone. That is a bad plan. That is a very, very rough draft. You've written it very quickly. You need to have time to set it aside and then come back to it and then revise it and turn it into something that they're already proud of. <laughs> okay, let, 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 me, let me pause this here for a second because you just hit some huge, huge juicy pieces that I am coming right over to the door. Um, I'm not saying this is why agents shut down in December. Because you don't have to. Please, whatever you do, do not instantaneously send off your NaNoWriMo novel to an agent. Or to get it self-published right away. No. Walk away from it, take some time, go back. That's what rewriting is for, people. All right, I am done there. Moving on to Fedora, I've got Brad, who's got a dovetail. Am I correct? Brad just not perfectly. Brad and then Jen. Awesome. <laughs> so, please, Fedora. Brad is cool. Well, I see guys. this <laughs> as a reason to do... NaNoWriMo. It is that impetus, impetus, excuse me, that some people need to get started because they are procrastinators born and bred, and they procrastinate, and they don't do, and they say, I have a great idea, but they never start it, and this may get them started. Uh -huh. And one other thing I would add, Jennifer Cruzy, who is a very fine romance writer, written many, many books, and is highly praised, what she says is, I can fix a bad page, but I can't fix a blank one. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Agreed. Right. Um, 
Well, I've got Brad has a dovetail first. So Brad, then Melanie, then Jen. Go for it, Brad. Yeah, so the jump on with Fedora and uh, Kathleen were just talking about, I can't agree more. Uh, your nano draft is not even a first draft. It's it's a zero draft or a negative draft or whatever you want to call the draft. It sucks really badly. Uh, the reason I throw that out is because the whole point of nano and this has been kind of brought up before is to not stop. Uh, you can even write, I have no idea what to write, and uh, that's going to be fine for that little section right there. Um, but the point is just to keep writing and not stop writing and to get every idea you have and force it into 50,000 words. Um, I would say to that um, that they are not bad novels. Most, many, many not, uh, nano novels actually go on to become best-selling books. Uh, you wouldn't know it how many uh, big authors actually um, kind of participate, even if they don't sign up and go online. I know a ton who actually take November, October, November to do most of their writing for that year. So anyway, just putting it out there to remind everyone that uh, it is not a first draft. It is not, uh, it's not a draft. It is uh, a long series of really good notes uh, and stuff to be edited later. We should, we should really have, like, editing December or something. There you go. Yeah, I December. like that. I like it, December. Yeah. Over, to Ke- over to Melanie. Yeah, I'm actually pretty far into my novel. Uh, like the Either the, the combination zero draft, first draft, but I'm just, you know, there, I just need to finish the draft and go back. So this is my finish the draft, and I don't know if that will be an additional 50,000 words or not, but this is also my finish this draft and move on to the next draft. Love. By the way, I just want to say real fast, I don't. I doubt if this is the case, but I can't help but think part, elements of the book The Shining by Stephen King was not inspired by NaNoWriMo, <laughs> or a concept of NaNoWriMo itself. Go ahead, because it was done before NaNoWriMo. Um, I use the term zero draft, actually, in my anthology that I just put out, that I mentioned at the top of this episode. Um Something that I wanted to do with this anthology, uh, I knew I wouldn't have time to complete the entire sequel to the book this year, but I wanted to put out something that my uh, my Threadcaster audience would be interested in, and I know that I get really interested about a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff. So I actually have portions of my Zero Draft in that book, just to show you a bit of an example of how different things get. And going back and reading through my Zero Draft, which was a NaNoWriMo challenge, I didn't win that year, but like Fedora mentioned, and I'm not going to say I was procrastinating, it was more I was afraid of starting because I was afraid of the blank page, and I was afraid that I hadn't prepared well enough or that I was going to... I was going to mess up, or I wasn't starting in the right place. I had so much uncertainty. At least Remo was there to say, hey, it's November 1st. Why aren't you writing yet? You just start writing right now, and I don't care what it looks like. And that sort of permission propelled me into the zero draft that I only got, I think I got 25,000 words into it. So that's halfway to the goal. And it's, it was terrible. But there were elements of it that I ended up keeping in my redraft, and having that that sort of first step into the pond allowed me to go ahead and continue through the pond. And it took 12 years to finish that book, mm-hmm. just working on it in bits and pieces throughout my entire college career and, and my, uh, my working life. 
but it was NaNoWriMo that started it that got to me to where I am today. Now, I've got a question for everybody. What do you do? Now, I don't know about everybody else, but when I'm write, when I'm pantsing a novel, I will write furiously up to a point, and then I go, okay, what happens next? And run out of gas. What keeps you from running out of gas when you're doing a flash? Now, I will say one thing. I'm cheating because I actually have a partial answer to myself. And it is um, Ali Peters' book about the chunky method, writing in chunks. Um, if you haven't heard it or you haven't read it, take some time, read it before NaNoWriMo, and allow yourself to feel free to write. Because what it is is taking the story that you're working on, breaking it down into chunks. So if you don't have a whole day to write, or you don't have an hour to write, maybe you got 15 minutes. What can you do in that 15 minutes? That's a chunk. And identifying your writing time throughout the week, or, or month, especially with NaNoWriMo. If you live in the United States, you have at least a day completely blown by family called Thanksgiving. <laughs> so... It gives you a chance to be able to work around that stuff. So, what do you guys do? Um, does anybody want to start? How to get through? Okay, Kathleen, then I still have Fedora jump. Can I, can I just give my bulleted list of things to pay attention to? Sure, so go that, for it. Okay. Outlining, character sketches, plot points, pictures, and other images to do with the project. Notes, music, writing buddies, scheduling, writing goals, and deadlines. Those are how you don't get stuck in the first place huh. in some sort of order, <laughs> depending on your process. Gotcha. What about you, Fedora? Well, I didn't do any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what keeps me going is kind of the opposite of NaNoWriMo, really, because what keeps me going is that I have in mind the black moment. The things when it looks as though everything is going to hell and there is no solution possible. And I write to that. And that is going to be near the end. And then, of course, I have to solve it. And if I didn't have those questions looking at me and a way to get there, which is kind of only sort of nebulous around my mind, I think I'd get bored with the whole thing quit. What about you, Jen, Brad, and Melanie? What keeps us writing when we don't... Right, what keeps you writing when you feel like you've run out of gas or getting really close to running out of gas? Brad's being silent, so I'm going to look yeah, at the Yeah, you go first, Brad. Oh, I'll probably jump in. I was to see if anybody else would. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I actually... Um, I guess I do sometimes use pictures and stuff like that because I always have some imagery that goes with my book um, that I will totally stare at at points to make the background image on my computer or something fun like that. Um, however, what really keeps me going for me is the story. Um, I know it's kind of weird and trite, but as a plotter, uh, and not to throw this out as this is why everyone should write, because I totally respect the all pantsers. Um, but as a plotter, I kind of know where the story's already going. So for me, uh, what would be a slow point or a moment of doubt or anything like that isn't really... There's more story to tell. I want to get to that story, so... If there's a struggling scene, I can totally understand that. And I've got scenes that struggle too, you know, whatever you plot out uh, will not last past the first uh, sentence of that chapter, trust me. But um, 
it allows me to see that and then just move on if I want to. So um, I tend to write literally through the book. I don't write break it up and write different scenes. Um, I just tend to write the book. So for me, that also means that the climax and the exciting stuff and the whole reason I got into the writing the book in the first place is at the end. Uh, so it's uh, it's one of those when you're stuck in the muddy middle and you're writing the same thing over and over again, or at least that's what it feels like, mm-hmm. um, then you know that ahead of you is the exciting conclusion and all the good bits, and that's the fun stuff to get to. So um, I kind of really enjoy... Uh, the anticipation of writing those scenes, so uh, that will propel me through a huge chunk of uh, is this good, is this bad, I don't know, and then I'll figure all that out once uh, the draft is done because I am a big firm believer and I have to see the whole book before I can know what really needs to come out of it. What about you, Jen? Uh, It might be counterintuitive, but a really good way for me to keep writing is actually to go take a walk or um, or go to the gym or do something that is not staring at a computer, is not dealing with words, uh, something physical. I clean your room. Uh-huh. It's the only time that my bathroom was ever actually clean is when <laughs> I'm having writer's block. Um, because sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's not so much... Because I'm also a plotter. It's not so much that I don't know what's going to happen next. It's that my brain has stopped. The gears are, are stuck. Right. And it's because I'm tired. It's like my, my, my words are tired when my heart is still in it. And that's the frustrating bit. Is my heart wants to keep going, but my words aren't coming out anymore. It's like, well, you need to give your words a rest. Go for a walk, take a nap, do something else. Brad and then Kathleen? I would totally agree. Uh, my dishes get done when <laughs> I need to take a break from writing. Uh, that is like the best time to go do housework. And part of that uh, is actually like, you know, using science and stuff. Because the minute your brain takes over the uh, physical functions of your body and starts doing actual work, uh, we all know this. The other chunk of your brain uh, will start to wander off and think about other things. And that is a really great time to then let your mind kind of muddle through scenes and all that good stuff uh, while you're, you know, focused on uh, cleaning up. So I am a proponent of cleaning your house when you uh, need a quick break. It's a good way to get that uh, house cleaning in. There you go, Kathleen. Um, So Julia Cameron and her uh, book, The Artist's Way, in that series about unlocking your creativity... Um, suggests uh, going out on walks uh, every day if you possibly can um, and going on things called artist dates where you just go and you experience something by yourself that is new and exciting to you and that makes you feel wonder or joy and just makes you curious. And um, one of the reasons she has you do that is to do what she calls refilling the well. We all write from from things we have taken in um, we, things that we have seen and experienced are all incorporated into our writing. And sometimes when writing's going really well it's, and suddenly all the words dry up, it's because you need to refill that well. You need to go out and experience more so that you will have the words again. So um, I, can, I can totally see why you go on walks. Like, going on walks is amazing mm-hmm. um, for writing. 
Brad, back to you. I would also throw out the food, or, or I shouldn't just say food, but whatever energy you need. Um, you know, writing, I, I truly believe, eats up more calories than we think. Um, probably mostly in my brain power that's being used or whatever, but uh, maybe in the fingers flying, that kind of thing. But uh, the reason I say that is one of the things I find is that uh, if I'm writing for many hours at a time, I mean, when am I going to be working and I know that I'm spending the next eight hours doing this or something like that, uh, maybe even just four hours. Uh, the point is, is that you have to, one, stay hydrated, so get something you like to drink or whatever, and two, uh, at some point during that time, because you might eat beforehand, but sometime during, try and eat something too, because uh, your brain needs all that energy to keep going. So. Uh, I'm just a big proponent of uh, trying to feed, you know, keep the fuel in the uh, in the car. This is not permission to eat uh, peanut M and M's the entire time you're writing. Right. This no. Is not, yeah. No. They, you have to be careful because you're also sitting in front of a screen and not really moving very much. So, yeah. Watch, watch those. Uh, plus, there's that hand mouth thing. So M and M's are bad. Yeah. I'm kind of glad you actually said that, even though you're joking, Jen. Uh, one, most humor is found is, is found in place in reality. <laughs> well, speaking as a diabetic, um, something I've found recently is that diabetes, when your blood sugar is too high or too low, um, can interfere with your creativity and your creative output. So for us diabetics, we've got to really watch our numbers. And when you're on these long sieges, those numbers become extremely important. And you need to have something that will distract you away from the idea of putting food in the mouth. <laughs> because all you're doing is sitting there typing away, typing away, typing away. <gasps> I'm hungry now. No. I'm writing about a grape scene about a banquet. All right, moving on. Um, we've talked. Go for it. So I have a complicated relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Like, if I could outsource my need to eat, I would. Because mm-hmm. it takes too much time and effort. For not enough reward, personally, mm-hmm. except for my whole body functioning gets some more. <laughs> so protein shakes are my friends. Like if I feel if I don't feel like eating, but I know I actually need to eat something for my for my body to continue functioning well, protein shakes are the greatest thing. Protein um, shakes, protein bars as well. I'll talk about that go for it. Sorry, yeah. I didn't interrupt you. But I mean, like I, I drink all the things. Like I have two drinks next to me. I generally always have two of something drink wise. So having protein shakes means I can just set it by me and do the periodic drinking of things that I'm going to do anyway. But I also get a meal out of it, basically. And speaking of that, um, I'm just throwing out a plug for a product, which has they're not paying me for it, people. But if, you, if you're like me and you get bored with only three choices of protein drinks, so they usually only come in threes, um, or bars that only come, you know, there's only so many flavors, and you really feel like you want to have that Oreo or that chocolate chip cookie or whatever, check out Quest. They've got Quest bars in, like, I don't know how many different flavors as well as their protein drinks, including Oreo and s'mores and chocolate brownie and apple pie, and I'm stopping there. (laughs) Melanie's always happy I get that because I hand her the coconut ones. Which, actually, they aren't my favorite. I actually like a different brand that's more cake-like than... (laughs) <laughs> whatever whatever works for you. But yes, exactly. Okay, so 
you've gotten through, we're going to pretend that you finished up your NaNoWriMo novel. Congratulations. Good job. You have done it. Congrats. 50,000 words. And I don't care if we're sitting here at the end of November and you did it or the end of February. You got your novel done. Congrats. How? What? What do you do next? Celebrate yourself. Good job. Exactly. Go out and celebrate. That might be some people I know drink a glass of wine and have a cigarette. It's the only time they ever smoke is when they finished up a novel. What are some things that you guys do? Well, I'm kind of famous for my celebratory cupcakes. Yes, you are. Hitting the end requires a cupcake. So either put yourself someplace where cupcakes can be acquired or go make yourself cupcake. Cupcakes happen when the end happens. I've got Kathleen and Brad. Kathleen first, and then right. Fedora after Brad. Go for it. For writing victories, I get sparkling grape juice because I could drink that stuff all day, and I definitely should not. So <laughs> I only get it when I have done writing victory type things. What a way to celebrate using champagne that's non-alcoholic. Well, I mean, we're not all drinkers. Uh, no, I'm just saying. That, 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 I, I'm, I'm saluting that idea. I love it. Brad, over to you. Uh, so I got a couple of different ones. Um, I, I actually do like food. Uh, so <laughs> it's often nice. my reward system of uh, good barbecue, good uh, donuts, or perhaps a good cupcake type thing. Uh, I do like the savory treats and the sweet treats. Uh, but I will say this. Every book, uh, when it is finished, and I do mean finished, uh, when it is done and I've gone through it and I can just look at it and say, that's a book, that's when the 12-year-old scotch comes out of the closet and uh, I have a nice, wonderful glass and stare at the book and think about how awesome it was that I just wrote a book. So... That is celebrated every single one of my uh, uh, books. Yes. You that can drink <laughs> or taking medications that ban alcohol. Yes. Or that, you know. I didn't hear any bitterness about yeah, that. I drink anyway. You know, you do you. Yep. And over to Fedora. Shot at Quantrow. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Another. <laughs> yeah, and I will say I envy Kathleen with the concept of, even though it's. Um, sparkling grape juice, which is a non-alcoholic version of champagne. I can't have it. Can't have either one, so I, I'm sad. But do celebrate. Jen, did we cover you? Yeah, we did. Cupcakes. Cupcakes. Um, do, Melanie, what about you? What do you do? Uh, or what will you do? Let's put it <laughs> what should, I, what, should I plan Plenty, something Plenty. big on November 30th for you? Hmm. Don't know. Maybe we'll have to make a new... Uh, <laughs> A, a new tradition here. Okay, that works for me. Lucas Hassel. Yes, over to Kathleen. So, uh, because we have all mentioned, you know, food or drink type rewards for ourselves, okay. I should mention that um, I believe it was when I when I got a novella published, I bought myself a fountain pen that was thing. expensive, that I wanted, that I had earned. Like, it was a deal I made with myself. I'm pretty sure it was uh, Vanishing Point, Pilot Mimiki Vanishing Point. There were over $100. I could not justify it to myself, except then I then I finished the novella, and I sold it, and I was like, all right, you get a pin now. Cool. Very cool. And, yeah, that is something. I'm glad you did that, because there are other awards that come into play that you don't have to do food. You don't have to do alcohol 
You don't have to do anything to drink. Do something to celebrate you. To celebrate your great achievement. Go for it. When I got nominated for the Shirley Jackson Award this year, I bought myself another ink. Another <laughs> pen ink. There you go. It was great. And so um, it's been a while since I finished a novel, so I can't even remember what I did. <laughs> I have to make a new tradition. Yes. And one thing, though, I probably will do, if I can talk my wife into it, mm-hmm. I think a good, well, we can't, I have to figure it out because I teach martial arts on the weekend. Um, figure out a time to go to a certain bed and breakfast and get the heck out of St. Louis for a little bit. Yeah. Ooh, and get pampered. Yes, warm. and that is something else, too. A nice writing retreat can always also help you with your writing. Now that you're t- working more during the middle of the week, that's even harder. Yes. Um, but that is something. And by the way, we've talked about the end. I do want to, I'm going to step back and do the time warp. And, ju- and do a jump to the back, jump backwards here just a little bit. Jump to the left. And. <laughs> okay, and I almost started singing. I'm like, no, I don't want to ruin the audience at this point. He said time warp. I know I did. I, I'm smiling here because that was hilarious. Okay. Along the way, as you're going through the big novel, whether you're doing NaNoWriMo or you're just doing this on your own without NaNoWriMo, do you celebrate. At points along the way. And if you do, what do you do? Going over to Kathleen immediately. Um, so, it's good to celebrate milestones. It's good to have milestones in mind. Because having a reward system that will help pull you through the novel, not just make you hope for the end, um, is really good for people. I'm not terribly great at it. But it's really helpful anyway. So... I look at it this way as a carrot at the end of that proverbial um, finish line, or proverbial milestone line. It's like, I'm going to get there, I'm going to get there, I'm going to get there. Yay, I've got the carrot. Okay, now i can get the next carrot. I will use sparkling grape juice for milestones, too. That works. If I do finish something that I have to do and have to do by deadline, then I treat myself to something like going to a movie, which I very seldom do, but I will go to a movie... If I, for example, get my edits, one level of my edits in on time. There you go. And I'm glad you said that. Because while we're talking about the production of zero draft, the first draft, whatever you want to call it, this this idea of, a war, of rewarding yourself along the way should apply all the way up to and through it getting published. I believe that anyway. Because writing a novel is one of the hardest things there is to do. So with that, what have I not covered? We've gotten to the end. We talked about editing a little bit. When when do you edit your novels? Do you edit? I've, I've typed the end, which I never typed the end on a story, but I type the end today. When do I start editing? What do you guys do? Start recommend? December. Uh-huh. No, so, that is too soon. Yeah, okay, so uh, it's a month. Well, you just finished it at the end of November. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess oh, I no, should... you're right. Sorry, end of November. My bad. So yes, yeah, the first of the year. So January is what you're saying. That's the yeah. earliest. Mm-hmm. So Kathleen, you're saying that's the earliest. What about that's you? What do you do? The earliest year. What about you? How long do you let it sit? Uh, it would be nice to have finished another project of some kind not necessarily a novel but like 
to have done something enough that you were immersed in it so that you're not still attached at the brain to the novel that you finished at the end of November. Um, so months, plural, is, is what I would do. And definitely when you say that, one of the things I've always heard is, and I used to do this in my old job, is edit with a John Desai. You always want to be able to look at everything extremely closely. Go ahead, Brad, go for it, and then... So yeah, what Kathleen said is exactly right. You have to be separated from it. You have to be, no longer can it reside within, uh, you know, your frontal lobes. It's got to be back in long-term memory uh, before you touch it. However, I would throw out that that is a varying time. It has a lot to do with what your brain is doing. Uh, It has been as short as a week for me. But that is a week of vacation that is heavily involved in travel and all that kind of stuff. Uh, to the point where when I come back, I no longer feel connected to the project that I was working on. Um, I will say it's usually a minimum of about three weeks for me uh, before I can even begin to say this is out of my headspace. But I would throw out that um, giving it as long as you can is a really good idea. However, most of us write on deadlines or at least self-imposed deadlines um, that I want to get this project done by X amount of time. I want to spend this amount of time editing. So I usually try and just give myself that like month-ish period. Um, But I also firmly believe in start writing something else uh, when you get done. So when it's the end of November and you're finished with this project, throw it aside write something else at a much, much slower pace, and then that will give you something to do while you wait to edit. Yeah, uh, Melanie. Uh, cabbage head question. Why is it so important to get it out of your head to do something else before you edit? And Jen, you just jumped right immediately, so go for it. Well, I was wanting to sort of reframe the idea of giving it distance instead of distance in time think of it instead as giving a distance of like physical distance as a visual artist it's important for you to be able to draw yourself back from your project because there are errors and changes and problems that you could see from a distance that you can't see when your nose is up close to it so the point of separating yourself from the work by letting it sit and rest and looking at other things and thinking about other stuff so that you can come at it with a new perspective and be a little bit more, um, more, more daring with your edits. You know, it's not, it's not you're right there in the weeds with it. You know it intimately. Oh, we'll just change this little thing and that little thing and this little thing and that little thing and this word and that word and this word and that word. No, you're able to step back far enough and you can say, oh, but if I move chapter three to chapter five, everything makes tons more sense. But you're not quite ready to do that immediately following the end of the words portion. Brad, you want to add to that? I do. So, um, uh, what... Jen said is exactly correct. Uh, I would rephrase it in the sense of just saying that as creators, uh, we have a certain mindset where we love the project. It is our baby. It is a passion project. And you, you thinking of it critically, like you think of it in some critical ways, but you are not critically thinking about it. So you need to leave the creator brain behind Leave the, the, the side of your brain that came up with all of this, that is so passionate about it and all of that, 
that needs time to kind of, you know, uh, plateau, uh, which then allows the critical brain, which you use on everything you do in life, from every movie we see, every book we read, to everything like that, of tearing it apart. Um, you can't do that when it's your baby and it's your love of your life. You just can't shred the thing. But give it a little distance and a little time, and your critical brain will jump in and be like, all of this is bad, let's rearrange everything. And, you know, then you have to tamper that brain. But, uh, yeah, so it's it's really about losing the creator brain, or letting the creator brain kind of go and letting the critical brain take over. Okay. What about Fedora? What about you? Well, who's editing while a, we're talking? Right, right. I have a, a long process. I go over yesterday's writing and uh, continue that through a, uh, through an entire chapter, which takes me at least a week to write, maybe longer. So I keep editing day by day as I go along until I've got it, I think, fairly well polished. Then it goes to critique group or critique partner, at least somebody else. And then I let it sit for uh, until I... Until I'm getting ready to actually do something with it, like send it to my publisher. And uh, that might be a matter of several months before I then try to make a final thing to make the, make the glue that makes it all flow smoothly and has the right beats. So mine is a very long process. It's not whomp it up in a month <laughs> and, and then edit it in the next two months or whatever. What about anyone else this year? Melanie, do you want to tell about what you do, or are you done ready uh, for that? I, a little bit of both. I was finding, I've written shorter works and finished shorter works, but I was having trouble, and still I'm having trouble getting done a novel. Uh -huh. um, and so what I did is I ended up chunking it up, and that's what I'm planning to get done at the end of November, is actually... It's a complete, it'll be a complete novel, but it's about a third of the plot of my original story idea. So it's like a, a whole lot less plot. So it's write this section of it, um, and then once this section is done, go back and start editing that section of it. And you're right about needing the distance. Brad. Uh, so for me, and this is when I know that I have reached this critical point, uh, so Stephen King talks about killing your darlings, uh, and as many, many other authors have talked about killing your darlings, uh -huh. um, that is very hard for me to do through the writing process because I'm so into it and I love it and everything like that. And I find the first edit passes through, uh, it can be difficult, but there will reach a point when I will look at an entire page and go, why is this here? And strike it all out and not look back and not care that that was great writing and that was an awesome, cute scene and all of that good stuff. I no longer care. It was not needed for the story. It wasn't needed for the plot. It was screwing up the pacing. You know, who knows the reason why? But that's when I know that I have now reached my editor brain and I am fully capable of just getting rid of, you know, like really cutting down the book. Um, and, and that can actually take some time. Uh, to give you an example, I finished my last book, the writing of it in early August, and sent it to my critique group, and then I've also been 
going back to the beginning, because obviously it took me a while to write the book, so the beginning of the book is still is not as fresh as the end of it. Um, but just being back from vacation is what did it for me to really have separated myself from the book. And that was two weeks ago. And the majority of the real just strategic edits of ripping stuff out that has all been in the last two weeks. Cool. Back to you, Fedora. Waste not, want not. All those outtakes may be useful some other time. And oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that you can ever use them as is in anything, but if you read them sometimes and you'll you'll find a germ of something that you can use that may be an inspiration. So now and then I do read my outtakes. I have a file of them. And uh, sometimes I find a use for at least part of them. So never throw anything away altogether. No, no, I never throw anything away. Uh, I keep uh, a draft of every every version of my drafts. Oh, I don't do that. So, yeah. Like, I'm currently it. on version 5 of my, uh, my current book. And I have all the previous versions. So, yeah, I never throw away anything either because you never know when you might need it again. I went ahead and put my outtakes in their own book. Kathleen and then back to Jen. I keep a record of each draft too, so I have a copy of each draft as I go through. And um, I I started because of Jennifer actually and Threadcaster. Mm. I started keeping graveyard um, graveyard file file that's all the stuff that I'm cutting out. So that makes me, yeah, it, it gives me joy. It also helps me re- like recognize how much I've written because when I'm done editing a thing, there's usually less of it. Not always, but usually there is less than there was when I started. There should be, but I but also love the Halloween. Yeah. I love a Halloween illusion, even though that was not meant. That was cute because <laughs> this is airing on Hall- or airing Halloween weekend. Over you, Jen. Um, what was the question? <laughs> I don't know. Um, the graveyard yeah, files? Graveyard files. Well, I, I sort of already said so that I have, I decided to publish some. I I made the, uh, the Curses Anthology. I wanted it to be a little bit like my On Writing by, uh, Stephen King. When he took his, his writing recommendations, you know, his... Biography, and then he paired it up with a, a how to write book and put it in the same cover. Right. So I was trying to use myself as an example for all this, the reasons why I took all of these scenes out, and all those they all came out for an important reason. And a lot of the graveyard ended up in either the short stories that are also in that section. I salvaged ideas or characters and put them in other things, or they were. Um, they were removed because they were extraneous to specifically the story I was telling, and they might be good in a future book. So graveyards are important for when you're editing. We're talking about NaNoWriMo. Uh, you're, don't, don't stress about that stuff during NaNo. Right. NaNo, everything that's in that graveyard file is word count. Yeah, yeah. And you, you're hungry for word count, NaNo. So you can leave all that stuff in, but, you know, maybe come up with a code. Because I have a, I'm a lot like Fedora. I have a hard time continuing when I know that there's issues in the past bit that I did. So 
Uh, I like to, I've done, I haven't done a lot of computer programming, but I've done a little bit of computer programming, mm-hmm. mostly in high school and college for classes. But in programming, you do a double backslash or a star double backslash or something to double denote. Brackets. Yeah, to denote a comment. You comment it out. Mm-hmm. It's a comment in the code, but it doesn't actually affect the code as it runs. So I sometimes comment out parts that I know are going to get removed. And that also makes them easy to search in Word because you search for whatever your comment out uh, symbol is. So, you know, mine's a double backslash. I search for a double backslash, it finds it automatic, and then I can reevaluate it at that point without having to say, man, I want to get back to reading this, but I know that half of it's garbage and I don't remember which half it is. Gotcha. Well, and actually, I guess on that note, because I'm just looking at the time, we are up on time, so perfect ending. Mm. If you are doing NaNoWriMo, good luck out there. Please share on Right Back Radio's page on Facebook or if you are on our Instagram or wherever. How are you doing? Let us know. And with that, tune in next week for yet another interesting topic in the writing industry. Good luck with your writing. Take care. And subscribe or share with your friends all these episodes. Take care. The new theme songs for Right Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her.